Hey guys, welcome to Bang Broadcast, episode number 336. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out April 12th, 2017. And next, I have a question. Should we change it to three and a half? Because we always do a dramatic reading. We never talk about that beforehand. No. It's... Remember we always said that we would never really discuss the dramatic reading on the show? It would just kind of happen? I and... don't remember that, but now that you say yes, I kind of remember that. And but it the was... third way is our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, it's the second part of our March comic book creator craze. Uh, we did the writers last week, and today we have uh, the artists. Hmm. Bunch of people. Bunch of people. Yes. And but to really start us off, we have to start drinking, and uh, start drinking heavily. Uh, what are we drinking there, Giano? We are drinking on fleek. This is from Stillwater. This is an imperial stout. Thirteen percent. Hmm. Wow. Thirteen. It's uh, pretty nice. It's really no. It's really good. Well, that you don't get that high alcohol on it. As I was, you know, when John said 13, I was like, oh, this might be an 11, might be a 10. 13. Uh, it's a nice, easy drinking stout. Mm -hmm. It has a Best Buy. Oh, it does. It has its own Best Buy in there? It's got its Can own I Best pick Buy. up some cables for uh, like $40? Best Buy January. They don't give it time to age. Mm. Uh, so we're drinking it past its prime? No. Coming up January, not this, the January that just passed. Oh, Next. January 2018. Yeah. Okay. Uh, really nice beer. I recommend this to people who are looking for a stout. Mm -hmm. um, it's. It reminds me a lot of the the 1050. Yeah. Uh, better price point. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, it's not as thick, like, overall, like mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. But it's got that richness that the 1050, that when you buy a 1050, I think you're craving. Like, you buy it because you want something rich and full and Thick. This is rich and full, still thick, but not as thick. Uh, this is either a nine ninety nine or eleven ninety nine four pack cans. That's not bad. Uh, uh, Thirteen percent beer. Uh, I, I, you can't go wrong if you're looking to have one beer up, uh, during the night. You know, in mm -hmm. it, in it, have, be... have one beer, have some cold medicine, and knock yourself right out. There you go. That's uh, how you I give it a thumbs up. I think it's a good beer. Mm-hmm. Chris, what are you drinking? Are you raking uh, leaves? I'm another beer that was brought to me by John's current wife when she was down here last month. And this is Ballast Point's Nitro Red Velvet, a golden oatmeal stout with beets, chocolate, and natural flavors added. Um, as John told me via text message, his current wife told me via face-to-face -face talking, and I read on the bottle, uh, this one you do have to do an aggressive pour. They say pour with purpose. Uh, for best experience, turn upside down and pour quickly. Also, keep cold. Oh, shit, that's what I did wrong. I swam out into the ocean and then poured it with a dolphin. Oh, you need to pour it with a porpoise. <laughs> yeah, I poured it with a porpoise. Uh, I, I'm kind of surprised that this is a stout, because when you hold it up and look at it, it's it's very bright. It's very beet-colored. Um, when they say a golden oatmeal stout... They call it a golden oatmeal stout on the bottle, but when you actually look at the colors of this, it's basically ruby red grapefruit juice colored. It's very bright due to that beet coloring, but man, you get a lot of really nice chocolate on this stout. Um, 
other natural flavors added? I don't know. Probably beets, one of them. <laughs> they do use beets to turn it that color red. I'm guessing there is some beet flavoring in there as well. Uh, the label for this has a skeleton king eating some cake. Also on the uh, table in front of him, some bread, a pie, <laughs> some some lobster, some ham. Maybe those are sneak peeks into what other uh, flavorings they've added. I don't know. They sure used a lot of bread in that beer. <laughs> There's some bread. There's also a phantom, like like black pot in there. I don't know what's in there. Maybe some wrecked ribs, mm. uh, some oysters. You know, they just... You, you do what the colonel does. You never tell anyone your secret herbs and spices. And mm-hmm. Bell's point, I'm I'm kind of let down that you're giving it away like this. <laughs> there's also a candle. There's another skeleton picking up a glass. So I'm assuming there's some pieces of glass in here, too. <laughs> no, no, that's not uh, Bell's point. That's Sierra Nevada. That's Sierra Nevada. <laughs> Uh, but uh, do, you, do, you, do you do you like the beer? No, I like it. Um, for <laughs> for being a for ham stout. bread glass malt beverage. There's some oysters. For stout, I mean, it does say enjoy cold. I think that's helping with the crispness of this because it it doesn't have as much of like a heavy like mouthfeel as you would normally get. Like being a nitro beer, you do get a nice frothiness from that head, but it's it's not heavy at all. It's surprisingly light. And I don't know if that's due to the beet or the lobster or the ham uh, <laughs> that this was probably brewed with. You tell me, Ballast Point. Contact at Um No, I, I really enjoy this. Hmm. Uh, we enjoyed it. We had it on the podcast uh, right before it was released. I was given a sample of it, and I brought it, and mm-hmm. uh, we shared it, Paul. We both really liked also, it. Also, only 5.5%, so this one won't tear the door off the frame no <laughs> leave that door where it is uh but no it's a good beer it's it's i i enjoyed it we both I really was, liked it i was let down by it i think mostly like it was okay but it wasn't like for that price point i wasn't going to rush oh, out and yeah, buy I, another I, one any and price also, point for, what's the price point on this one uh, it's like 16 dollars for a six, six pack. pack oh yeah i i don't think that's worth it um i would say no what we should say yes to is this week's news. Yes. All of the news. I said yes. Uh, Thor, yes. Ragnarok, guys. This yes, is I'm excited because this is a movie I can actually look at things about it and not have to uh, put it off like I'm going to with Captain Marvel. Oh, that's right. News? Captain Marvel. Oh, uh, oh that's right. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Chris said that he wasn't going to watch. I said last week. I'm, oh, you're I'm going into that one. Don't, oh, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, last week. Don't say last week. That, I mean, that was like a month ago, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised last you remembered episode, that. No, um, Thor Ragnarok. We get we get our first full glimpse uh, at not just Thor, but also Hela, Valkyrie, and not so much of a surprise, well, because we kind of knew he was in this from the get-go. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Man, this is the Guardians of the Galaxy of the Thor. Uh, yeah, it took the words right out of my mouth. Oh, yeah, yep. because they're like, oh, what is our most lackluster performing of the Marvel movies? Hulk. Okay, that's true. Uh, what else? What are we actually making movies of? Thor? All right, let's put Hulk with Thor and make it Guardians of the Galaxy. Brilliant! Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, the direct uh, yeah, just like the way they use like Led Zeppelin on the soundtrack, the mm-hmm. colors of like, the titles and everything. Jeff Goldblum in it. Mm-hmm. 
it, it all seemed very Guardians of the Galaxy inspired. Uh, yeah, the the director Tiki Unawate, I okay. believe is his name. Um, Are you thinking Uwatu, the Watcher? No. Oh, okay. Uh, when he to get this, he actually spliced together. He took like uh, his favorite like eighties movies and cut them together to make a trailer of what he wanted the movie to be. Uh, one of the movies that he used a lot of was. Um, Buckaroo Banzai, one of your favorites. No, another one of my favorites, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, but I think, uh, from what I've seen in this, for this being his first big <laughs> big movie, he mainly makes independent movies. Uh, this Like one, every Marvel movie guy so far? Yeah. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> He, uh, I think he's he he's nailed it. He's got a it's got a good sense of humor to it in the clips that we've seen. And I like it's got how a great Thor clip. refers to it as work. <laughs> I, I do like how excited Thor was to see him too. Uh-huh. It's like, oh yeah! I was expecting it to be uh, his roommate from Australia. <laughs> I do want to say, as much as I loved this teaser trailer, Jeff Goldblum's basically just playing jeff goldblum in this not right mm-hmm. well yeah i mean it's they hired him because he's um what's his name's brother from guardians the uh um benicio the, the del toro yeah he's mm-hmm. the collector's brother oh so, is it really yeah, yeah. so of course yeah, they see, get... i don't i don't know too much about the cosmic characters like that was never really my my preferred reading so it, it, that does actually kind of make sense yeah that's why they cast them because they're like oh who can we get as weird as benicio del toro for this role oh jeff goldblum Okay. I, I I understand your uh, your uh, sentiment there. I I I, I I I get it. That's my Jeff Goldblum impression. Talking, I thought you were just talking like Paul. I know. I thought I thought he was at first too, and then I. Uh, I just I just let my stutter out more <laughs> when I try to do a Jeff Goldblum impression. Because hmm. all I know from Jeff Goldblum is Malcolm from Jurassic Park. Uh, he was in Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> It's also on the league for a little bit, the FX yeah. show. Uh, but this movie looks really good. I've been waiting for this trailer because it's. I'm like, man, we haven't gotten any news about this. We fi- it finally dropped. Uh, I was super excited. Somebody at work came up and was like, "Hey, have you seen this?" And I was like, "No." And then we stood around for 92 seconds of awesome, <laughs> sheer awesomeness. Yep. Also, I didn't realize that was Kate Blanchett playing Hella. Yeah. Or Hellia, however you pronounce it. Um, so who's Valkyrie? I'm not Norse. So the girl, so Hellia, uh, you know, has this big old horn things coming out. And she's out. the one that broke the, the okay. hammer. Because I'm like, wait, was that a different person or was that the same? Okay, it was definitely the same. Yeah. And uh, so who's Valkyrie? You was- see, you see a, a brief image of Valkyrie on Pegasus coming down, looks like attacking... Uh, I missed it. No, and also like when Thor's on the uh, like the garbage gladiator planet. planet too. Like you see her like kind of like walking away from him. Like she talks to she shoots him with the <laughs> she shoots him with the the net gun. Oh, that's Valkyrie. Okay, yeah. Hmm? Also, you just almost uh, Heimdall looking badass, like fighting stuff in the woods. Yeah, with his big old sword. Uh, so the rumor is the soul stone is in him, and we're gonna we might see it in this movie. And in in Heimdall? Heimdall, yeah, because if you remember, he's got those those 
moments where he says that he's looking out and he sees all the souls of everyone in the galaxy. He's got the yellow eyes. Oh, that makes sense then. Paul doesn't think so. Uh, you know, it, it's it's thin. <laughs> it all checks out, <laughs> but it's thin. <laughs> it's thin. Uh, but yeah, that's a little bit of the, the hubbub and the rumor about Ooh. it. What else? What other hubbubs and that rumors do we have to uh, talk about? Because I have nothing. I'm sorry, guys. I was so ill prepared this week. Uh, how about Guillermo del Toro uh, in talks with Star Wars? He's, wait, wait, in talks I, with? I, I did not hear about this. Uh, Guillermo del Toro seems like a kind of guy that would actually be in talks with Star Wars. Like just the concept of Star great. Wars. Uh, no, he, <laughs> he, he talks he, with Disney. About Star Wars? He met with Lucasfilms. Okay. Um, uh, uh, was it Catherine Kenny? And Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy, thank you. And also uh, their special effects guy, John Knoll, about story ideas. And um, nothing he completely wants to tell set this- in stone. He said he couldn't talk about it, but he did say that he has had sit-down meetings with them. He's going to tell he the story of this. on doing that Haunted Mansion movie for Disney first before he sets up well, Star Wars. He's just always saying. just talking about stuff that he's, he's ready and yeah. doing. He's, uh, he's going to be finally directing that story we all want to see of Boba Fett escaping the Sarlacc pit. It's going to be it's uh, Boba Fett going through vision scapes and just the maze of the Sarlacc pit. What I was going to say is what would you want to see Guillermo del Toro do? Like, it what needs, story to tell? It needs to be a complete creature feature. Like it, Yeah, it would need to be, like, a Moss Eisley, like, movie. Yeah. Something where it's just, like, crazy aliens that he can just... What if they, like, I don't know, like, they were doing that Star Wars 1313, like, that CD underbelly movie that took place on Coruscant? Maybe something with that. I don't know. But wasn't that a secret Boba Fett video game? I don't think they ever, like, actually said what it was going to be like i think it was i think it was put on it just for like that but that was gonna be a different i don't even know uh we'll We'll never see it so it doesn't matter mm -hmm. none of that matters or that like what about like a young yoda kind of yeah because that would be all creature feature and he could go more you know mental with yoda because of the whole uh the cave where it's kind of mind trippy it would need to be that. It would need to be Luke going into the cave in Dagobah, just explored as a whole movie, like stuff like that. I would, like. I mean, even like at, that, uh, at like, that point, I would rather just watch Labyrinth. I think. Well, that's what I'm going to get from Guillermo Toro, anyways. So why not? <laughs> I, did you see I the Labyrinth board? Know, game, by the way, I did. It looks beautiful. Doesn't look good with all those many. <laughs> I, I don't think. Guillermo del Toro is necessarily a director that I want to see handle a Star Wars movie. I don't know. I feel like at that point, it'd just be too much form over like function and story. And everything mm-hmm. they seem to be doing with Star Wars right now is about serving that story and like deepening it and pushing it forward. I don't know. Yeah, it would seem like a rough, a right turn, like a sharp right turn for Guillermo del Toro to do any kind of story because it would be just like a deep dive in one single character that's not going to play a part in anything else. Yeah. Uh, just com- complete random sidebar because I remember this because I mentioned the Haunted Mansion movie that he's been in talks to do forever now. Uh, and Sandman. Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in Disney World today and he went on the uh, Jungle Cruise ride because they just announced that he is officially attached to the upcoming Jungle Book 
or not Jungle Book, Jungle Cruise movie that Disney's doing. Isn't that a little close to the Jumanji movie that he's doing currently? You know what? I'm okay with it. Uh, (laughs) I'm a little bit jealous of everyone that was on the boat that he was on, though, because he actually took the skipper's role. Uh, Did he punt it up? Led the boat through it. Oh, like with the puns and everything. So that would have been like just an awesomely cool experience. That would have been awesome. Yeah, but I don't – well, no, I would probably fall in love with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Because that's what happens to me each and every time we're on the Jungle Cruise, guys. I fall in love with the skipper. Uh, there are always cute girls <laughs> other news, that are making puns. Other news that we didn't talk about, um, uh, Shazam movie is officially canceled. <laughs> Uh, That's why just Dwayne and, the Rock Johnson. Black out. Adam will. It looks like he will be the Black Adam will be the villain for Man of Two or Man of Steel Two. Well, <laughs> they, they need to cancel that if they're going to be doing four Batman movies in a year, which was the other kind of like rumor that sprang out this week too. Well, if you think about it, I mean, if they do Batman and then Nightwing and Batgirl and have another Bat Family esque movie, I think that might be what the rumor you know really mm. is. I'm still waiting for a Lego Batman to hit the cheap seats because I'm going to go see that on my Monday Fun Day. Um, yes, I want to see that. And he, uh, he got cast in something on the Disney side of things, too, The Rock. I just recently he, saw He was that. hanging out with Jimmy Fallon uh, in front of uh, the Jimmy Fallon ride at Universal Studios in one of his ma- in a mascot costume. Yeah, he was there for the. Yeah. He was there for like the grand opening of it. That's pretty fun. Did he go on the Mummy ride? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> well, he was at Universal. And th- was he just I as afraid so, as I was? I hope he just was like, why isn't this a scorpion ride yet? <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that he just gave shit to uh, Brandon uh, Frazier the whole time. Like, that he was in line. Just like, they're like, playing off that script. Brendan Frazier. Uh, oh, Okay. First, I thought you were talking about Jonathan Brandis. Ten years ago, it mattered. <laughs> He's dead. Uh, so yeah, any other news? Um, well, we have our outing of Adrian Sif from over at Marvel Comics. We didn't talk about that yet. Yeah, that was bad. Which like, that kind of like sprung up out of nowhere. Um, Adrian Sif, a comic book artist who actually just did uh, X Men Prime number one that came out. I can't remember if it was last week or the previous week from Marvel Comics, which I'm sure we'll be talking about on this month's uh, monthly look back. But yeah, apparently he hid some secret messages in there that are very anti-Christian and anti-Semitic, and nobody really caught it until the comic book was released in uh, like Indonesia or like somewhere that they were like, oh, wait, no, th- this is the thing, guys. This is the thing. And then he was like, oh, you got me. I've ruined my suit. Uh, my entire career. Sorry. Bye. Uh, yeah, he had like tweeted out, "My career is over." Um. Yeah, I guess it was something that one of the characters was wearing on their shirt had like a, like some sort of like hidden like a dog whistle kind of message because I saw it on like uh, either Facebook or some sort of news aggregator feed under entertainment, and I did not understand what it was in reference to. It's like. It's like two letters and like three numbers, and I'm like, I, I don't understand that, and I guess it's good that I don't understand it. Yeah. It's well, like also, like, things. in this time, like, you expect kind of creators to band together and be like, oh, no, like, let his work stand. 
but fellow Muslim comic book creator G. Willow Wilson, who created Kamala Khan, who we knew uh, as Miss Marvel, came out and was like, nope, fuck that guy. He made his bed, has to lay in it. Now here we are. Screw you. Sucks to suck. Sorry, not sorry. Okay, thanks. Bye. Wow, that was a very not, not 16... those exact words. Oh, okay. But, you know. <laughs> like that's a very sixteen-year-old girl way to as, say that. All yeah, it wasn't as uh, internet slangy as I made it out to be. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, roundabout, and you know what? He he knows he did, he did he did wrong. Marvel came out and said like uh, we didn't know about this, we didn't catch it. it. Doesn't represent our views or the views of any creators here, and it will be removed in further printing so when they do trades and hardcovers and stuff like that um they did come out and say that the next two issues are already written and drawn so they will be published as is but then after that they do have uh filling creators coming on to help out with our, our duties yeah i think they already said they were already like to the printers Ooh, yeah. like they were already like sent out there was no way to recall them uh, so that's what happens when you like publish your books every week wait a second they're gonna so they're going to let it go to the printers. They're not going to recall them like DC did with the Superman beer fiasco. Remember that Action Comics, oh, where yeah. Superman was having a beer with his dad, and then they pulled them all off the shelf. They're like they were at the printer. They destroyed a whole bunch of copies and then reprinted it with him holding a root beer. It's like root beer. No, doesn't look good. So they're going to let it probably, go out. They probably already checked them to make sure that they weren't. There wasn't anything in them okay. more, and it's not like it's not like the fun Ethan Van Skyver like when he hid sex in every uh, uh, page of X Men. It was yeah, new X Men. What? Yeah, I miss all the I Easter remember, eggs. Like, I remember hearing about that like a couple of years ago. Like you can go through and like there's websites devoted to like pointing it out and like the bushes or like in the folds of people's clothes. And like, then he came out, I was like, yep, I did it. I was younger back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but again, like that, that didn't hurt anyone. It's a fun little thing. It's a collector's item. Now everybody wants that issue. Uh, but doing that isn't is, you know, <laughs> off putting is yeah. making some type of political stand. That's not, it's not in the purpose of the book. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. what he was hired to do. It's not the writer and that person's belief. It's not an indie book. It's a big X-Men book where you're tying in. And it's a launch X-Men book, too. Yeah, it, it's an awesome-looking X-Men book. Like, it's being led by Kitty Pride. I want that. Uh, it just, yeah, it's, I, I, I would have never caught it until it, it hit. And I'm glad somebody, somebody knew that it wasn't right. I'm glad uh, that they're not promoting it in any way and they're saying, hey, nope. You're out. It just sucks when, like, it casts, like, a poor light on comic books now. Because, like, that X-Men book's going to be forever remembered as, like, the the anti-Semitic Muslim-run book. And, you yeah. know, it doesn't deserve that kind of I think it's, shade cast over it. I think, no, I think it's good that Marvel stood up and said, no, we're not going to tolerate this kind of thing. And they <laughs> fired the guy right away. It isn't, you know, United Airlines, like... It could have been a lot worse if DC or if Marvel was like, you know, oh, uh, it could have been a lot worse if people actually read comic books. Yeah, <laughs> or, or you know, or Marvel's like, you know, this got past our QC. We we uh, we have a strong belief of uh, tolerance of all people, and we'll we'll you know 
you know, and if they blamed it on like a QC process instead, instead of actually doing something real, uh, which was to let this guy go, being like, hey, look, don't spread hate in our books. All right. Especially a book, which is the X-Men, which is all about racial tolerance, right? Like, that's the whole point of it. I don't know. Can't uh, win them all. No. But uh, what can we win? Is there any other news? I'm sorry, yes. I'm trying to think if we had anything else. I think that was it. You know what we can win? <laughs> I'm sitting away from Mike pouring a beer. Buying comics books next week. Right, Chris? You're buying yes, all of them comic books. <laughs> Talking <laughs> about X-Men Gold. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a different X-Men book. With X-Men Blue number one, and, uh, number one, sorry, being written by Cullen Bunn, one of John's favorite, hey. favorites, with art by Jorge Molina, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, he handled uh, A-Force this past year. Mm-hmm. And man, that was a good-looking book, wouldn't you say? Not good enough to make our list. I thought about including him in my Marvel side of things, though. Did, mm-hmm. did Paul run away? No, I'm here. Okay, well... Because, Paul, you actually picked this book as well. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I did, but then I picked uh, Requiem's number two. Oh, I didn't realize you were... Okay, well... I did pick up... I, then. I picked up X-Men Prime, and I'm just paging through X-Men Prime right now, because you they have a little... You also picked up X-Men Gold, didn't you? I don't know if I did or not. I might not have actually logged into Comixology to buy it yet. Um, but X-Men Blue is actually telling the tale of... Well, the continuing tale of the time-displaced original X-Men that Beast brought from the past to see just how crappy the world would be unless they kind of change how they feel about things. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, Beast went crazy. Yeah, Beast, Beast got a little bit nuts, but uh, nope, they're, they're still around. They couldn't get sent back to their original time, and that gives us now a Cyclops, uh, Jean Grey again, uh, non-Beastie Beast, a non-winged angel. Yeah. He has the weird, like, fire wings. It's, I don't get it. Yeah, I I haven't been reading everything that they're in because, you know, I, I don't mutation, read a lot of stuff guys. anymore. Oh, second mutation, you're second right. Second mutation. Mm-hmm. Was it his, second, his actual second mutation was he had healing blood. Uh, reference the Chuck Austin book. It's his, <laughs> third, it's his third mutation, guys. <laughs> but, yeah, um... I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm kind of glad that they're doing almost like a complete relaunch of the X-Lines again. We had this mm-hmm. God, like 12 years ago when they launched Astonishing, Astonishing X-Men by Joss Whedon originally. Then we'd like to relaunch then, after and, Schism. And then there was one 10 years yeah. ago, and then 8 years ago, and then when 7 Wolverine years ago. Wolverine was running that, reading the uh, Professor X, or Jean Grey Academy. Great book. That was so good. Well, I mean, there was those Bendis books, too, that you were reading when he relaunched the X-Men with the white Magneto suit and everything. X-Men seems to get removed yeah, like, a lot. Yeah. But when they do the relaunches, they seem pretty decent. It's enough to pique my interest. Yeah. Paul, you want to talk about your book that wasn't X-Men Blue now? Yeah, uh, this would be uh, the, the future of comics. Uh, this is Image at 25, and this is part of their Shadow Line. Uh, because they have a shadow line now. Uh, this is Rat Queens, issue two. Guys, it's only four dollars, so it's a good buy. Uh, this is uh, written by Curtis Weeby and art uh, by Owen Janini. 
And this is. How'd uh, you like issue one? I haven't read it yet, but I'm very excited oh, to read okay. it. Okay. So and it's on. Why should I be excited about this book? I haven't read it yet. That's why I didn't pick it. Well, mm. is is this like a complete relaunch because the story just kind of hit that point, or is it it's, continuing it's issues with artists? It's a continuation of where those characters left off with just uh, another number one, and like Paul said, it's under a different banner for the the book. Um, but it is just it's still a continuation of those characters. Every everything that left off in the group. Um, they've added the uh, the hulking um, one woman's there, so it's f- it's five women instead of the four. Uh, but it it's, should still be a fun continuation of these um, story for these adventuring women in a weird D and D type universe. Yeah, <clears throat> which is more fun. Um, but yeah, I just haven't had a chance to get around to reading it, and um, my wife read it. And she liked it, so it's still good. There's going to be a terrifying monster in this issue. Ooh! It's uh, Cat Kings and Other Garys, Part 2. So many Garys. Uh, and then I will be picking up Issue 2 of Ameri Karate. This oh, is from Action Lab Danger Zone Comics. How's Issue 1? <laughs> What's that? How's Issue 1? Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, this is... Over the top cartoony '80s American karate movies in a comic book. Uh, we have a uh, the the main character Sam Kickwell, uh, who's dressed in uh, denim jeans and only wears a uh, sleeveless denim vest of uh, coat, um, traveling this uh, almost like apocalyptic world, almost like the old west. Uh, who is being forced back into the world of karate after he's spent many years uh, walking with his um, brother on his back who lost his arms and legs in a karate tournament, uh, who is killed by a masked ninja, and now he's going to hunt down that ninja. It is absolutely over-the-top, crazy, fun, bad 80s. Uh, Look forward to this for our... Look back when we do it, because uh, I was definitely recommending us to read this. Um, but issue two, can't wait. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Today. When you're listening to this, listeners. I don't think I'm going to post this before midnight. Well, I'm not. No, because. <laughs> Won't be. No, you gotta. You gotta I'm double <laughs> posting? So to put it before this one. Oh, my goodness. Put this up on Easter. We'll do, we'll do a post. It's okay. We'll do a post. It'll be okay. Hmm? Hold on, I'm getting ready to read my dramatic reading. Oh, we don't hmm. talk about dramatic readings. Well, you haven't yet. You know why? Because normally we go into the beer first, John. No, we do the dramatic reading, then the beer. Oh, okay. We never That's know. what happens when you don't talk about the dramatic reading, guys. Are we ready for the dramatic reading? I thought we were doing the beer. <laughs> Whatever you got. Did Chris even pour this beer yet? He drank it last night. No, he had the Westerfeld last night. What? That's what we just poured. No, this isn't Westerfeld. Oh, this is... Oh, my gosh, you brought up the Scotch Ale. I only have the one Westerfeld left. I'll give you... I would have given you one. We have Scotch Ale. Ah, no wonder I thought it smelled off. Okay. Paul, you ruin everything. There you go, Paul. There you go, Paul. Uh... No, what? That's 
why Elite is so damn like, confused. Why are you so confused at me. Uh, this is the Lagunitas 2017 one hitter series. Davy Murray's best Scotch Ale. Uh, this is from Lagunitas Brewing Company, Petaluma, uh, California, and also Chicago, Illinois. Mm. Uh, this is their, this is their best Scotch Ale. It's a pretty good Scotch Ale. It's a good Scotch Ale. I like Claymore more. Uh, it is a lot like brown sugar from mm. them. Uh, instead of that kind of uh, burnt sugar, it's more of a sweet caramel um, to it. Uh, easy drinking. I don't know how they call this a Scotch Ale. Yeah. I'm not uh, getting much off of it. It's, a, it's just a good beer from Lagunitas. Uh, it's all right. I'm glad it's a one-off. Uh, I have five more of these in my fridge down in the basement. I'm going to be drinking those fairly regularly when I start drinking again. Uh, I, I think it's good. I don't. I wouldn't say it's it's not my top ten Scotch ales, right? But I think it's a good beer. It's okay. Yeah, but this is the thing that I'm like. I'm not going to really. It's not like something I need to share with friends. So if I'm drinking alone, I'm going to get through this first. I understand. Before that. anything else in my cluck, in in my collection, I guess yeah, because I got a beer collection right now. That fridge is full. I got a whole shelf. It's I'm I need to start finishing this stuff up. So because I'm not moving this beer collection to whenever we move to the new studios. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. You just you bring in the beer with you. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I can't be trusted with the beer. I'll drink it once I start running again and drink so much more. Uh, I, I think it's a good beer. I think it tastes good. It's pleasant it's, drinking. Yeah. There's nothing I think is wrong with it. I, I don't think it matches uh, what my mind says a Scotch Ale should taste like. It doesn't match what I think of what Lagunitas could bring with them putting best on their label. You know what I mean? Like... This should be so above all... this is Dave all... Murray's best Scotch Ale. And Lagunitas is, is releasing it. <laughs> yeah. Still, it's a Lagunitas release. It says best Scotch Ale. I'm expecting it to be better than any other Scotch. I would rather it's drink... It's Dave Murray's best Scotch Yeah. Ale. This is th- the best you can get from him. Exactly. I think that's how they're looking at it is, hey, Dave Murray, this was your best Scotch Ale. Let's sell it. You know, yeah. it's not like you're like, oh, hey, man, that's. I'd rather have an innocent. I've gun. had other, uh, it, it, and I and I. Agree. I'd rather have a claymore. It's and I just I said it's not the best Scotch right. ale. It's not the it, best sure. Scotch ale. It's not in my top ten Scotch ales. It, but okay. I think it is a good tasting beer. Can... It's a good tasting beer. Yeah. It's not unpleasant. Yeah, you can drink this and go. Hmm, it tastes nice. It's not a train port. But the thing is, Lagunitas for me suffers from that Babe Ruth kind of thing where, oh, Babe Ruth was at the bat. He hit a uh, a single or a double. He got onto base, which would be a great, great up to bat for like most players. But every time I see Babe Ruth at the bat, I want to see a home run. Well, listen, so, and so, so Lagun- tomorrow, right. You come by my work, and I'll give you Waldo's uh, triple IPA from them, and uh, another uh, right, an- another uh, born again yesterday, and you can have those. A born again yesterday? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called born again yesterday. 
that's that's the thing. Lagunitas, I'm I'm okay with it. It's not bad, and I'm not, I'm just saying when it co- carries that Lagunitas brand for me, I expect so much. You, you this expect, is okay. You 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 yeah. expect uh, level ten delivering on what the. Mm-hmm style of the beer is right or not knowing that hey like a little something something you didn't know that a pale wheat ale was something <laughs> i would that love would be the most best tasting beer ever and every time i see a little something extra i'm like yes coming yes, yes 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 that's me listeners you didn't see me but i was pulling like three cases off the shelf at one time extra and wild will be coming back yeah, this year I don't like wild i didn't like wild either but, but extra extra is coming back uh but Chris, did you have something from Lagunitas? Yeah, I did. It's a beer that you guys were supposed to drink. Uh, <laughs> this is their 2016 one-hander series, the High Westified Imperial Coffee Stout, a coffee stout that has been aged in High West rye barrels. Uh, this sits high at 12.2%, and man, does it ever. Um, I was sitting around my apartment last night. I decided I want, wanted to watch Inglorious Bastards again because I haven't seen it in a couple years. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I, I need a beer to properly enjoy this movie. So I pulled out the High Westified Imperial. And, man, you get a lot of that rye right up front. And then you get a little bit of coffee stout right on the back end there. Um, for how boozy it is, it's still incredibly light. Definitely a sipper, though. Um, I got halfway through my glass, and I was kind of like, I, I don't feel like I could finish this. Like, I think this is something that would be perfect to, like, sit down and share or go, like, a small pour on because a full bottle of this all at once, like, I I had it through the entire movie, and that rarely happens with any beer that I drink. Uh, this is definitely one that I, I would drink over an hour to two hours. It's yeah. a sipper. Mm-hmm. I, every sip I thought was uh, fantastic. Every sip you take. Uh, I really enjoy and and love this beer. And here's the best thing about this beer, Chris. Mm. It is a six pack for eleven ninety nine. Holy crap! That's that's a great price point. I drank five of them and only have one left. <laughs> I drank two of them and I have three left. I oh, Chris, drink my because I got the other one. Um, so oh. thank you very much for that because yeah, this was fantastic and man, like it, you, you got to take your time with it. Definitely, I mean, even everything I had last week was a comparable ABV percent, but none of them seemed as like hardcore as this one. Uh, to me, it as we were just talking about with Dave's best, where it doesn't deliver what the name is. Uh, High Westified delivers what that name is. It's a mm-hmm. bourbon barrel aged beer that drinks like a yeah. bourbon. You know, like you, mm-hmm. you're sipping on it. Got some nice rye flavor throughout, so it's different than the stouts that we get that are all bourboned. I, you know what? I I think I'm going to chase that beer next year. Like I chase some of the other releases, like KBS that just came out. Uh, High Westified is definitely something I will definitely go and pick up. I've kind of gotten to the point now as a beer drinker, and for what we do is KBS this year, I bought one four pack. <laughs> Last year, I bought five. Uh, this year, Sunday morning stout, I got one. I'm probably good with maybe next year getting another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's enough 
barrel aged beers coming out that I don't need to go crazy. I can always have one really when I want to. Mm-hmm. Lagunitas High Westified and Voodoo, I think, are the two that I am clamoring for. How dare you bring up Voodoo in this house, knowing the whole tragedy that struck us this year. Now, I gotta, I gotta befriend those guys somehow and get a better in for us. Because, okay, I love that you have social media presence there, Voodoo Brewery. It's awesome. Don't post that you're releasing your Barrel Age collection an hour before you release your Barrel Age collection. It doesn't help anybody. Especially helps people that are within an hour of the Battle Age collection coming out. Ugh. I mean, they did it last uh, the year before. They released it like 6 o'clock in the morning, and I sent you a thing where yeah. you're like, hey, we, we, need, we to need to get out of out. work. And I'm like, yes, awesome, we will. And then I got a call from work asking me if I can come back into the office, and I'm like, I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm not turning around. Uh, like, oh, okay. <laughs> But anyways, I, I think High Westified is definitely one to continue to chase to drink. Mm-hmm. I think I would rather I would rather age one of them and drink the other two. But I want to drink those like a summer night where it's cool and I'm sitting around the fire and I'm going to be there for a couple hours and just sip on that beer. Like that's how I want to finish drinking those beers. I have one high westified. Honestly, see, that's what Storm King used to be for me. Mm. Yeah, I haven't tried Storm King since we got that bad. Yeah, I haven't batch. revisited it at all. I have. It's still it's good. It's better than what we had got oh, at the okay. time. I have some uh, one eight one year age now. Uh, Brooklyn chocolate, double chocolate stouts. They've been aged a year now because yeah. I just saw that it's rehit, and that's now in a six pack. Yes. For like way too much money. Twelve ninety nine. Okay. Twelve ninety nine. They're ten percent chocolate stouts. Um. Yeah. I used to enjoy it because it was so high alcohol, and I was, you know, when I was first getting into beer, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get ripped. <laughs> now you're like, mm, this eighteen percent beer. Let's just get rid of it. Yeah, let's just pour it down the drain. It's, uh, it doesn't taste good. Tastes yeah. like rubbing alcohol on raisins. Uh. But you know what tastes good? What's good on the palate every time? On my ear palate? You know what's always good coming up? Dramatic reading. Right, Chris? Now, a dramatic reading from Astonishing Ant-Man 13, page 8, panel 8. Darla Deering, star of stars of Star Island, big fan. I bet... From and after that great dramatic reading, because, you know, I bet it was great, right, John? Uh, <laughs> we're going right into the uh, artist side of the comic book creator craze summer movie bracket buster bracket. It's not. No, not yet. <laughs> you have to, that is going to be it's one gotta of the things. It's going to be pretty coming up quick. Uh, yeah. So we're we're here looking at the artists and we're talking before show, looking at our brackets. We decided that honestly, the strongest conference, the strongest division on our bracket is uh, the indie side. So unlike the writer side, where uh, DC and Marvel, uh, they ended after the first round, they ended up getting a buy. 
whoever makes it out of the indie side of the bracket or the you know, spaces of the bracket will be getting a buy. Uh, week because we really feel like the artists have been knocking it out of the park in that section a lot more than the main. But if you stuff. think about it, last week the writers yeah, week. from last episode, <laughs> the the writers from the indie side made it the farthest. Yeah, they ended up going farther. So, so the bye week didn't help out the mainstream. You just always need to think about that, sir. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> You gotta really think about it. if you score more points, usually you end up winning the game. <laughs> so, Very true. John, you, you wrote the bracket down. Uh, you have it in front of you. Who's up first? Uh, on the Marvel side, we have Russell Dodderman and Sarah Picelli. Yep. Russell uh, Dodderman from um, The Mighty Thor and then Sarah Picelli from Spider-Man, the Miles Morales book. Mm, okay, okay. This is this is. They have very similar styles. Yeah, they're both very like big budget comic book artists. Mm-hmm. I I like both of them. Uh, I do like. I have to give it to the book that I'm reading, uh, the mighty the mighty Thor, with uh, Russell Donovan, because man, whenever it's uh, cancer ridden, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on her name. Natalie Portman. Jane Foster. Jane Foster. Uh, it is sad. She looks so weak and so decrepit. And then, boom, Thor. You're like, oh yeah, superhero stuff. And it's a lot of fun. So, uh, just on that, with the giving us those two characters within one character, that transformation, uh, I'm giving it to Russell Donnerman. Uh I'm going to give it to Sarah Pacelli. Uh, I think the art that she does and how she captures those characters, the action, everything, um, it's almost like it's that style that we were big fans of like eight years ago. Okay. And I'm glad it's back. McMiven? Uh, Russell Dodderman, I feel like it's gotten a little stale. It's the same thing over and over again. I went back and I looked through a couple books um, from Thor, and I just was like, eh. That's uh, one of the oh, reasons. Oh, oh, Russell Donnerman, so you're Eh. He, uh, <laughs> he's Dave Murray's best artist. <laughs> uh, but I went, back yeah. and I went back and I looked through it, and I was like, you know what? Uh, it's one of the reasons why I didn't put him on my list, because I just feel like he wasn't bringing, he wasn't bringing that look that I was craving. Okay. Well, you weren't craving it. Chris. Craving that look. You, you break the tie here. Uh, well, Sarah Pacelli is the artist that I brought to the table for this one. And like I said, right when we did this book for the uh, monthly look back when Spider-Man number one came out, she's way too good to be just doing a monthly Spider-Man book. Like the quality that she's delivering is some of that Marvel, like universe shattering cosmic event type artwork like the stuff that we would get from someone like a steve mcniven um i think we're really blessed to have her handling a book like spider-man starring miles morales and also i mean bendis like this this book's great and i think he realizes what a treasure he has in his artists here because he doesn't do his usual like bendis wordiness um in my older age i think i've become more accepting of 
like how conversational some of his books are. But in this one, he he does take that step back and let the art really speak for itself. Whether it's Miles doing his Spider-Man thing or just sitting around talking to his grandmother, like it it all just jumps off the page. And I think Sarah Pacelli is like a diamond in the rough there. Hmm. All right. So Sarah so Pacelli. Sorry, sorry, Paul, but it's I right. mean, no, no offense to Russell Donnerman, but like John said, like you can't argue with consistency. I mean. If you're consistently strong, like that's a that's a great book. But if you need something that's really going to stand out and like kind of make you take another look at the medium, like that's what Sarah Pacelli did for me. Right. So uh, that moves us on to the next roundup, which is uh, Jim Chung versus Roberto Roberto Ramos. Ah. Uh, all right. I went last. I went first last time. Uh, John, you started off. We'll go round robin here. Uh, I think the same reason why I picked uh, Sarah Pacelli. Uh, the first one is what I'm. Why I'm going to pick pick Jim Chang. Uh, Chung. I, Chung. Thank you. Chung. Sorry. Uh, I think that's why I'm going to pick him. He just has that. Just that really great, kind of more realistic art style, which I've kind of been missing for my books. Because I've been reading a lot of those um, noir-style books, hmm. uh, especially coming from Marvel. And I was actually looking for these style artists to put on my list. I just couldn't find them because I forgot that I was reading those over on Chris's account. And I couldn't <laughs> go on to Chris's account. I went on to Paul's and my own account because I knew Paul wasn't going to come up with anybody for the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives me a thumbs up. So I figured Chris would deliver those things that are over on his list that would go, yeah. And he did it in a way that I said, I'm okay with just about everyone on your list. So uh, uh, Jim Chang. Chang. Chung. 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 I, yeah. I need to fix my smelling on here. <laughs> um, this is a really tough one for me. Humberto Ramos has been one of my favorite kind of go-to comic book artist since I got back into comics when we were in high school. Uh, that's right when the book Crimson was coming out from uh, DC, like Cliffhanger, and that book still stands as like one of my one of my favorite books. Um, seeing him on Mark Waite's Champions was also a treat because he's handling characters that I might not necessarily care about, but the way he handles them made me take notice of it. But Jim Chung is just solidly consistent on like that big budget style superhero book. And I think having someone like him handle clone conspiracy made that book matter to me. Um, I tend to only read Spider-Man when it's one of those Spider-Man events. And I think if there was like a lesser artist on this book, I might not have paid as much attention to it. Um, Because honestly, some of the artwork is what took me off of some of those books that spun out of it, like Prowler, which I was really excited for, but you know, I just, I couldn't keep up on it. Um, so for me, I am actually going to go ahead and say Jim Chung. He has a great timeless superhero style. Um, and I, I think his books always just look so professional. Yeah, I agree. Jim Chung is great. He has a cleaner style than Herberto Ramos, but I enjoy the Herberto I love Herberto Ramos. Yes. Don't get me like, wrong. Cartoony, very he, sketchy. There's a great, great action. to it, too. Yep. He was on my, you know, he was one of the ones on my list that 
went for both. So I'm going to give it to Humberto Ramos uh, just because uh, it doesn't matter. And I want we I think we all kind of have like at least a one quarter vote for him. So here's one whole vote for him now or one third vote each of us in our hearts. So it, 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 it evens out. There we go. Uh, so who's up next? That would be Jamie McKelvey versus Babs Tar. Ooh, over in our indie side, down on the indie part of the bracket. Chris, this is your start. Uh, this is my start, and this is a tough one for me because I I love both of these creators. Babs Tar actually like dominated the creator craze bracket. Was it last year? Yes, with Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jamie McKelvey, just a consistently strong artist, though. Um, Wicked and Divine still going on strong. Like they've had some, I don't want to say even fill in artists because they've had other people handling the book, but it's usually for only like one or two issues just to give the guy a break. He's a workhorse of a creator. Like he keeps that book coming out on time every month and it looks so great. Um, Babstar has like such a bright effervescent style though that I, I do take a little bit more notice of it. Um, Something we were talking about kind of off-show was Phil Noto on the Marvel Poe Dameron Star Wars book. Mm-hmm. It's a, he's great at capturing those likenesses, but everything still comes off as very like, static, is what I said. Right. There's still a little bit of that from Jamie McKelvey, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it, I mean, I think a lot of the color actually helps enhance just the way everything pops, but Babstar just has an like, insane sense of motion and just... I think there's like a longevity to what she does. So I'm going to say Babstar just to give it, give it over to her. Uh, I, if I were to choose one artist that I'd have to read their book between the two of them that they're doing the art on. And that's the only book I'd have to pick. I could only read art drawn by them. I would go Jamie McKelvey. Uh, I think he's in the past shown that he can change things up, have his characters break the third wall mm-hmm. uh, with Kid Loki, like going into another panel and breaking right. it and getting people out. But I mean, the art is so clean and so yeah. beautiful in uh, Wicked and Divine. So much so that like that's pretty much all he's working on mm-hmm. right now is, hey, I'm just going to work on this. I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. Uh and I, I got to go McKelvey on this because it's just a better artist. All right. I'm going to try to refine what you said, John, a little Thank bit you. here. I'm going to try to <laughs> uh, and say that Jamie McKelvey comes at it with a very graphic design kind of point of view. And in that you know, whole design aesthetic, he's able to world build a little bit better than what we saw Babstar uh, world build in Motor Crush. In Motor Crush, it's just like, oh, it's it's this future, but it was all kind of um, just post-apocalyptic, but not really, like, I never really got a sense of place with her work. Where with Je- Jamie McKelvey, like, you know, uh, with, uh, what was it, Suburban Glamour, and also with Wicked Divine, granted, it's this world, so maybe it's not as difficult to world build with these issues are these these subject matters but man he's able to focus a design to really 
put forth a story and a storyline, uh, which I really appreciate. So that's why I would go with Jimmy McKelvey here versus uh, Babstar. I love Babstar's work on Batgirl. It's just his Motocrush, which we're kind of talking about this year, which just, like, not, the, that arc did not hook me. And it was... That, that's okay. It was mostly because I, I of the have... setting, and I think she could have helped with the setting a little bit more. I have nothing wrong with Jimmy McKelvey moving on. He's one of my favorite artists, so yeah, that's fine with me. He was also the upper seed, so it's he was. not shocking. He was that. All right, so over at DC, we have <clears throat> Gary Frank versus Raymond Ronan. Ronan. Ronan uh, Kalik. I'm not, I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Click it. Uh, so, the so artist who's handling Hal Jordan and the Green uh, Green Lantern Corps, alternately with Ethan Van Skyver and then another random artist that might jump on. Just since the book's double shipping, they do kind of have like a shared art duty on it. Hmm. But he's been kind of like the common thread through the book. All right. Oh, do I start here? Because Chris you started start, last time. You start oh. here. Uh, I'm going to go with Gary Frank. He's a statesman. He's a statesman of the bracket. Uh, I loved him since uh, he did the Jeff Jones run on Action Comics, which we just talked about with him, uh, where he was cast, Gary Frank was casting, you know, like making them look like uh, the Richard Donner kind of movies. Uh, but with Trin- his work on uh, the Rebirth series, I know it's a very short work, so I kind of am getting a little taste of what has happened before. He has a little bit of that halo effect of what I, I have been liking, but I'm going to go with Gary Frank here. Uh, I'm going to go with Ronan. I think he... You're going Ronan. I'm going Ronan. I think he's going uh, much like... It's a very similar style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the action is delivered more... And I've seen more of it because Gary Frank, he's on here for uh, DC Rebirth, the one shot. Um, And what I've been reading from Green Lantern, I think he's just been doing a really great job consistently every other other week with this book or every third week um, to do this. And I think his look is really great. He captures the action and energy that is needed in this book and delivers it with those characters. Um, I I would definitely agree. I think Gary Frank did a fantastic job with the DC uh, Rebirth book that came out at the beginning of last year now. Um, That's what placed him on on this list. Jeff Johns needed an artist with him that could basically reboot the entire DC universe. And he had an artist alongside of him that is capable of doing that. I think what Ronan actually does really well, though, is he's tapping into everything that I loved about Green Lantern in those Jeff John years when we had Ivan Reese doing the book. He's got a great style. He's able to do action and aliens well, and that's the corner of the comic book, like DC Universe, where this is again. Like, we need someone that can actually handle that and have those stories still have weight and meaning. And I think he does that so well. And it might be that pseudo nostalgia of 
him and Robert Venditti doing everything on Greenland that I love about those books. But it's the fact that they're doing everything so well that makes me want to continue reading this artwork. All right. So there it is. Check mark. Ronin moves on. So, John, who's up next? And you're starting this one off. Uh, that is going to be Alvaro Martinez from Detective Comics and Rafa Sandoval from Hell Jordan and the Green Lanterns. Uh, I think both of these guys do amazing jobs. Uh, their art styles are very similar uh, to a degree. Um, this is a tough one because uh, Elvero Martinez has this great that great one of uh, Clayface eating or absorbing uh, Batwoman. Mm-hmm. It's just that cover. Yeah, it's just beautiful looking. Uh, the artwork in it is great. But uh, Rafa Sandoval, he's capturing aliens. My he's capturing Hel- drawing Hell Jordan and taking me back to when I loved Hell Jordan uh, as in the Green Lanterns. He's he's bringing it in such a degree that I am just falling back in love with these guys that I you know this book that I loved for years and have fallen off of. He's one of the reasons why I'm back. The writing is there, but the look, it's what I look forward to in my Green Lantern book. and uh, Making a strong case. And he he's he's my choice, uh, Rafa Sandoval. Chris? Do you need me to go? Yeah, you, you go, and then I, I finish here. Because I'm going to go the opposite side with Ooh. Detective Comics with Alvaro Martinez, because he is doing that dark and gritty Gotham City book that I I think we need to have done right now. And it's not just a Gotham City book, but it's that Batman family book. He's handling like the extended Batman like universe and he's doing it so well. Um, I love his reworking of Cassandra Kane. Like we had an arc with Lady Shiva. Uh, right now we're like jumping back into the League of Shadows with Rachel Gould popping up again. Uh I'm sad that Tim's not around anymore. He's off somewhere else in prison. We'll find out more, I guess, when we get to like what's actually happening with like the Watchmen stuff. But I, I'm loving this book. Um, everything that's happening in it, written by James Tinian, it it feels like the Batman book that I've always wanted. Um, that I kind of got previously when we had the Batman and Robin uh, Eternal. It's not the book but, we need. It's the one we deserve. Ooh. But I, I think having just like a solid writing and artist team on this book, as opposed to something like we had with Eternal, where it was kind of shifted around from team to team, like we're getting, I, I feel like consistency is the word that I'm using the most when it comes to the artist, but it's so strong and it's just so consistent. All right. So it, it basically you guys are sending it up. Uh, John, it's basically Batman versus Green Lantern. <laughs> it's Green Lantern, the nostalgia, the the going back to the light, going and then Chris going into the dark, to the grime. gritty grime, the Bat Family. I, I think it's harder to draw a Bat Family book to be and be compelling than it is for a Green Lantern book because a lot of the characters look so similar. <laughs> so 
Uh, and also that that one cover of Clayface just totally drowning Batwoman. You brought it up, and I, I have to echo that a little bit. So yes, Alvaro uh, Martinez from Detective Comics. That's that's my vote. Uh, there it is. Beautiful books. Yeah, but I mean, you can't lose with uh, either one of those nope. guys. No, not at all. Uh, we can uh, lose over at uh, where, where, where are we next? We're on the Chris. Indies. Oh, Chris. Chris. Do, we can oh, definitely see, I lose here. To introduce this one because I feel like this is this is going to be tough for him. So I want him to be kind of put on the spot. Oh, okay. Uh, it's not tough. Mind, it's not I tough know. for me at all. I can deliver. I he's going to he's going to go Fiona Staples. <laughs> yeah, because well, the next up we have um, Cliff Chang, mm-hmm. who handled uh, Paper Girls this year up against Fiona Staples of Saga fame. And Both, you know, I'm going uh, Cliff Chang. UK- She's also uh, Archie this year. Uh, she also isn't really on Archie. They've been doing a lot of film and artists. No, no, but yeah. she's been on. She was on Archie this year. Yeah, but between the two, Cliff That's Chang true. is Cliff Chang. You know, I'm voting Cliff Chang each time. <laughs> uh, so I guess Chris, you're 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 in the well, middle here. It's you know Cliff why? Chang versus Fiona Staples. <laughs> because Cliff Chang talked to me. <laughs> you did interview him. Did interview him. Uh, I'm sure Fiona Staples would if you know she had the chance. I right, bet she so would be a delight. She would probably be a delight on a podcast. She's real cute. I'm making a little cute face at She is Becky Clooning cute? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Do I need to find some pictures of my... No, of my no, no, because Staple. it's not just Fiona Staple wearing little little wings on her back. I have them. It's not... They're well, saved. Okay. They're saved. Paul. They're, not, they're not saved. <laughs> because you know, cute. you know Paul wants to see. Because cute isn't just about looks. It's about personality. Little and wings. Becky Cloonan is cute all the way around. Anyways, Chris, it's on yes. you, man. It's, uh, it's Cliff Chang versus Fiona Staples. Okay. This is a tough one. i got to think about it. You think? Fiona, Fiona Staples versus Cliff Chang. Cliff yep. Chang versus Fiona Staples. She has a little fears on. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that's, that's fun. <laughs> um, I feel like Paul wasn't loud. Um, I uh, oh man, they both have great indie styles that really stand well on their own. Um, but w- like, kind of what we were saying before with world building, I feel like Fiona Staples has more opportunity to really branch out and do like a bunch of craziness. Yeah, Cliff Chang can do that a little bit in Paper Girls, but for the most part, all of his stuff's very grounded and character-based, and all those characters just happen to be humans. Um, Fiona Staples can really flex those artistic tiny little wings that she has strapped to her back there. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it to Fiona Staples. All right. No, no. A, a hard choice, because they're both fantastic artists, too. Uh, I'm on Fiona Staples' um, Instagram? Instagram, and, like, I mean, she's got... Just she's got uh, Cassidy from Preacher that looks you know totally different. She's also got uh, um, it looks like Don Knotts that she's drawn. Such such fun stuff. Oh, that actually really is a picture of me. It's, it's, I, I understand the confusion. Can you see out of those eyeballs? Uh, anyway, so both uh, Jamie McKelvey and Fiona Staples both get a buy this time. So we're going to go back up to the Marvel side and go to uh, who, uh, Sarah Pacelli versus uh, Jim Chang, Chung. Uh, who's starting it? 
Okay, you I, I, you I, I will. You, yeah, I, you can. Because it goes after you. Go I'm going to go Jim Chung because I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed his art longer than I've enjoyed Sarah Pacelli. Uh, I'm not really uh, reading that Miles Morales Spider-Man book, so but I have read a lot of work that Jim Chung has done in the past. He's done a lot of bigger Marvel event kind of stuff. We also did, like, all of the Young Avengers when that book launched, and mm-hmm. then they did the Children's Crusade, too. Oh, my goodness. He was a young gun? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was one of the young guns alongside, like, uh, Steve McNiven, Lennel Fences You. <laughs> so, uh, there I am. I'm uh, definitely going with Jim Chung there. Uh, Chris, how about you? Uh, both of them I, I really championed and brought to the table. I think they both do big budget superhero books well. That's why I kind of like voted both of them along. Uh, it, it's tough because I have to pick like who do I want to see more of versus who do I want to see more from at this point. Because Jim Chung, he's been a solid artist like since kind of came on my radar. But this is the year that Sarah Pacelli actually like jumped into my view, and I I really want to see more from her and see actually what she's capable of. Because I know Jim Chung's always going to be there. He's always going to have that home at Marvel to kind of do what whatever he wants, I feel. Um, who does it sound like I'm voting for, guys? Because I, I don't... It sounds like uh, Pacelli. Okay, yeah, I'll go Sarah Pacelli. Uh, I was going to go uh, Chung... Uh, but y- the, uh, the reason I say that is because you talked me you talked me into Sarah Pacelli. So it's Sarah Pacelli. If that's who you're well, voting for, that's that's who I'm voting for. Yep. All right. So that's going to take us over to the DC side because the Indies are going to uh, have the bye week, and, and that we is, have Batman versus Green Lantern again. Uh, so that is Ronan Kalik. Uh, Kalik. Cliquette? I don't know. I feel really uh, bad. We don't know how to say this guy's name, but... Elvero Martinez. Um, I I have to go with uh, Martinez on this one. Again, the the cover with uh, him absorbing Batwoman, all the other art that he does in the books, but that image is, like, ingrained in my head because it's so awesome and just it's amazing looking uh as well as all the rest of his art um i think he does a great job capturing as chris said like the different look of the bat family delivering them all so they look different they you know just aren't a different hairstyle on the character and uh i think for that i'm going with martinez Chris, I'm making it easy on you. I'm going Martinez as well for all the same reasons that John just said. I, I was going to go Martinez as well because basically every argument that we had for yeah. Martinez over Rafa Sandoval, it, it still stands. Like they're both handling Green Lantern books. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that artwork. But yeah, I agree with all myself right. from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so then, Chris, you're introducing over on the Marvel side. All right, so this time we have Sarah Pacelli versus Jamie McKelvey. Um, I think no matter who went up against Jamie McKelvey, it'd be a very, very tough fight. Um, when I think about Marvel Comics, I always tend to get drawn more towards like that big budget look. 
Um, Jamie McKelvey, yeah, you could say that Wicked and Divine is kind of a big budget theology majors like wet dream, but it's still very much more character driven. Um, a lot of the stories just told with those interactions and the writing itself. Uh, Sarah Bocelli definitely has to kind of tell more story and just what's happening in fight scenes and battles. So it, it, they're two very different types of artists. Push me along here, guys. All right. Uh, and I think because of that, I think my hat is getting thrown into the Pacelli ring. Uh, I think everything you just said, Chris, you were trying to talk yourself out of voting for Pacelli, but you just made your case for her. (laughs) Uh, It's tough, too, because, like, if I had to say, like, okay, who would I want to see on a Marvel book? It would be Sarah Pacelli. Like, she she can capture that likeness, like, I think better than McKelvey could. Who would you like to to see in a DC book? Probably Sarah Pacelli. I think Jamie McKelvey does great character work. I mean, I love Young Avengers, but also at that time he was handling characters that he kind of had the guiding hand and like, he didn't have to draw from what someone else was doing previously. If I had to pick someone for like a new crazy out there, like indie book, it would probably be McAlvey, but yeah, I'd say probably Sarah Pacelli. All right. That's two for Pacelli. Paul, where would you have gone? Uh, I would have still went with... I'm on uh, Sarah Pacelli's Tumblr right now, just going through. Uh, but I would have still went with Jamie McKelvey. Uh, just that graphic design taste. I, I enjoy that cleaner kind of storytelling. Uh, That's why I like shopping at Ikea. Uh, yes, that is. I, I do enjoy I do not need that respite-like area from Ikea. I, I will be there. All right. So, over at DC, we have... Uh, Elvaro Martinez and Fiona Staples. Whew. This is where I go, Fiona Staples. Just because wow. more, it's that cartoony, comic booky, like classic Jim, uh, Jim Chung, uh, Cliff Chang, uh, Darwin Cook style that I enjoy. Like that's I'm that's why I like comics, like that kind of artwork that Fiona Staples pulls off where it's 2d but it doesn't feel flat where it's Mm -hmm. it's simple but the characters tell a complex story with their facial expressions it's it's that dichotomy that's constantly uh working with each other where uh, i really enjoy and uh i will go i will champion that kind of style art versus that big you know over the top comic book muscle on muscle kind of style that we get a lot of times so, so that was Fiona Staples? That was Fiona Staples. Uh, I love what Alvaro Martinez is doing over on Detective Comics. Um, he's doing a great Batman book right now, but if we had to do like a bracket of top Batman artists, I don't think he would unseat any of my other like favorite Batman artists. Like they've all had like really good like standout runs that would probably overshadow Detective Comics, which is the Batman book that I'm reading because it's just a really well-done Batman book. Um, I think Fiona Staples has a style all her own. Like, you can't have, you know, a Fiona Staples book that looks like another book because it's always going to be Fiona Staples. 
And if the best thing you can say about a Batman book is like, oh, it's a really well done Batman book. That's probably not the highest praise you can give an artist. Um, I feel bad because like we always like talk up these people, and then like when they get put up against someone else that you like a little bit more, you're constantly kind of like tearing them down a little bit. But I would, I would have to say Fiona Staples as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm definitely Fiona Staples. Um, so that gives us Sarah Pacelli versus in the finals uh, versus uh, Fiona Staples. Wait, wait, wait. Sarah Pacelli. Oh, wow. Versus Fiona Staples. Okay. Uh, your number fourth seat from the Marvel. <laughs> the lowest seed. The Cinderella it. story. Taking it. All the way she's to a, She's such a solid artist. To the though. bank. Uh, and I think, her, the, I think the problem why we don't speak more about her is because she's been on that Spider-Man Ultimates mm-hmm. for so long with, uh, with him, and it took... Uh, Morales being folded into the con- actual mm-hmm. universe for that book to get a uh, spotlight on it and then say, yeah. hey, no, I've had this killer artist for years on this book. Take a look at what she can do. So much better than, what's his name? Mark Bagley. Mark Bagley. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. He could, he could pull out, he could put out books one after another, but they weren't great. Uh, man. So, Chris... This is a tough one for you. This is this is hard. Um, and I think kind of everything I just said about Fiona Staples versus Martinez kind of stands on its own. Like, yes, yeah, Sarah Pichelli can do great Marvel superhero comic books. But in the scope of things, like a great Marvel superhero comic book will stand amongst all the other great Marvel superhero comic books and the art done by those guys. Fiona Staples, it's just it's all just her. Like, you can't really compare her to anyone else because her style is really, it's just hers. I mean, even before, Paul, when you said, like, she's kind of on that wavelength of someone like Cliff Chang. Yeah, I was about to be like, man, I did a lot of comparing earlier. You you did, but also (laughs) also at the same time, like, she has a a similar aesthetic, but not similar style. Right. Like, it's kind of in that quadrant of things, but, like, they're all still very much their own artists. And that if you put them on any book, it would look completely different from what any of those other artists would do also mm-hmm. on that book. So I'm going to have to say Fiona Staples. Uh, I too will say Fiona Staples. And uh, it would be no surprise after all the championing I just did for Fiona Staples, even though I think I voted against... Did I vote her? Uh, who was up against me? Oh, uh, Cliff Chang. You, you voted for Cliff Chang. Yeah, because yeah, it's... One we uses with more... Our, with our favorites. Uh, Cliff Chang you know, uses more negative space. And also, I talked to Cliff Chang. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, they came for like Chris just said, I think they both come from very similar schools, Cliff Chang and Fiona Staples. And so up here in that bracket, I will go So let's, Staples. Let's take a, a, qu- a quick break. We usually make this into three episodes, but let's just take a, a quick look at uh, what book we'd want Robert Kirkman to write with artist Fiona Staples. And then what BKV, BKV book we'd want with Sarah Pacelli. So let's take a quick break, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll come back and give our give our quick thoughts. So it didn't actually take us that long to come up with these books. It took uh, me longer than I thought it was going to. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a look at the number one writer, number one artist, Kirkman, Fiona Staples, 
a comic book we'd want them to do. And we all actually picked one from Marvel, one from DC for each ones, right? Actually, I did. Uh, Chris, you said you were going to do that. I did the same I thing. I was trying to. I came up with two from DC, not uh, all right. one from Marvel. That's, that's fine. Then we didn't do that. Uh, John's a liar. You I, made, I made the attempt to. I'm still trying to like pick the, something. He's the one who said. He's the one who said. Uh, so, uh, in no particular order between the three of us or what side they're going to be on, uh, but I'm looking at you, Paul. Okay. Kirkman, Staples, because that's the number one picks. Kirkman and Staples. I went with, uh, I wanted them to kind of take a character. It was Kirkman, you kind of want that, you know, mystic kind of character or something that you can really explore a part of the universe that might be... Uh, lacks exploration. So, and I also wanted Staples because you know she can do those cool aliens, but also make it very personal. So, I went uh, Dead Man. Okay, because he could do those demons, you know, to really work up you know Staples muscles, but also give that comic be give it that comic book clean look, that you know classic kind of comic booky cartoony look and i think dead man could pull that off really well and i want him touring the dc universe like i want him out in the world but also but battling the demons that are taking possession of other people like he like is constantly like jumping body from body because maybe he's on the run from maybe he's like say like a bounty hunter like a demon bounty hunter after him and he has to keep ghost on, hunter like jumping bodies yeah, because if he's in demon form, he can be caught. But if he's in a human, he's okay. But they're always always wrestling him out, like uh, Quantum Leap almost. Yeah. Uh, uh, of the DC I'm, I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow Paul because I had like almost the exact same idea. Okay. Because um, no, I want Fiona Staples to do something that's crazy and out there because she has just like such a bright, expressive style that like she could have a lot of fun with it. But with Robert Kirkman, I was also thinking like. He seems to be really at home now doing kind of more of the horror-based stuff with stuff like Walking Dead and mm-hmm. Outcast. Um, Outcast. So for that, I kind of went also to the supernatural side of things with the Spectre. Okay. Yep. Very um, similar vein. But, so, similar vein because it gives them the chance to be like, he can be really dark on it, but then she can be just like crazy out there. Uh, my initial thought, though, was like another Green Lantern book. This would be more like miniseries, just focusing on like one of the – like green lanterns that nobody cares about like chip or nort um but then i was like oh it's kind of too close to saga like her like handling weird aliens and like that's kind of what sparked the specter that sparked the specter no because i i can't i was thinking something that they could go crazy but i also wanted it to be very human so i want them constantly needing to be like the tour of the dc universe to tour the to, you know, because I really like Fiona Staples on Archie, where it's just people. Yeah. But I also want her to be able to do the crazy every once in a while. Uh, so I wanted both. I wanted peanut butter and jelly. And taking, and taking those to heart, it's something that we are missing from the DCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirkman, oh, I think, has... We all want DC this time. All right. Kirkman has a great... Well, also, he's... I don't think he's ever written for DC... Did um, he do that? No, Eric Powell, I was thinking of, did the art on Superman the one time. Mm-hmm. Um, with Bizarro World, with the Square World. Yeah. yeah. That was Powell. Yeah, that's Powell. Uh, but Kirkman is someone who I think does a great job of capturing the voice of characters, understanding where they're coming from, and also has a great way of writing uh, family. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, with DC, the thing we're missing the most is Justice Society of America. Yeah. Him being able to write that, but having it more of that kind of family-centric keeps Fiona Staple from having to go too crazy, but she can draw action when they need to fight, when Black mm-hmm. Adam shows up at the picnic and they have to go after him. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I went away from the dark side of things and kept it more with the superhero for uh, Kirkman. Hey, you know, doing that family book like Invincible, mm-hmm. GSA is definitely a family book, and the struggles of a family, that GSA would work in that realm, that Invincible realm. We went, Chris and I went Outcast Walking Dead. You went Invincible. I did. I applaud you. Well, um, for the Marvel side of things, I I kind of went more like family superhero book. And that goes over to our other picks, the number twos, which is mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Pacelli uh, with uh, BKV. Uh, BKV has done a lot of work over at Marvel. It's Chris's turn. Okay. My turn. Um, <laughs> no, I'm actually, I feel strong about both my picks. Uh, they're both young characters, both female characters. Uh, I'm going to go with my DC one, though. Bronke Vaughn and Sarah Pacelli. I want to see them on a spoiler book starring Stephanie Brown. Okay. Um, Steph just kind of parted ways with the Bat family in Detective Comics. Uh, setting herself up to be the uh, aptly named spoiler, where she's going to be trying to do everything she can to stop Batman from flexing his iron grip over the city. Um, I think I think that would be a fun book for uh, BKV to do. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah, it's a strong female lead, which BKV has done a great job of. Uh, but John, what do you think? What's your pick? Uh, my pick is a Marvel book from um, from them, um, and I thought of something that BKV could do really well, and uh, Sarah Pacelli's art could do, uh, and I went with the uh, Thor book. This is Thor returning to being Thor, okay, uh, or maybe a Thor team-up book now that he's going to have a hammer and... Uh, Foster is going to have her hammer, and maybe the two of them coexisting in this world together. Hmm. Two Thors. Twin two Thors. Thors. Double the, the hammer. Double the fun. Twin sons of... Uh... I went... Uh, BKV has done a lot of books over at Marvel. He did uh, Doctor Strange the Oath, uh, Wolverine... What was it? Uh, that, that had a subtitle, too, where... He was in prison in World War II in Japan, and it happened to be Nagasaki, <laughs> like before the bomb explodes. Uh, the hood. The hood. Uh, and I went, and I kind of wanted to do like a character colon like something. And uh, I'm going to go with Nightcrawler Redemption. Nightcrawler always seems to be that character that's driving. He's like, well, I feel like I'm part demon. I'm always going through hell. But he's always very, like, he's squashbuckling because he doesn't want to think about his own, like, existence. Like, he's that, he's always trying to have fun. So he's, and also adventuring to kind of, like, overcome that dark ache in his own mind. Kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know, York Brown from uh, Why the Last Man, where, you know, he's kind of overcompensating a little bit. Uh, so I would like to see BKV explore that 
and Sarah Pacelli, I think, can do a good job with that acrobatic. You know, she already does that acrobatic character with, with, with Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Uh, doing that with Nightcrawler, I think, would would be fun. No. I agree. Yeah. So those are our picks. And if you've picked us as a podcast that you listen to, please find us over. Rate and review us anywhere you listen to. It helps other people find the show. Uh, thank you. Um, hey, if you have an idea for these books uh, that you'd like to see, see written and drawn, see, see and read written, find us over on our Facebook. Let us know there what you would like. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>